Hello everybody and welcome to the BMW Blog Podcast episode 5. We have a very special show for you today because I have quite a lot to talk about. Now it is just me today, we don't have a guest. Um, we had a guest the past two weeks but today you're just stuck with me. Um, but that's okay because I have a lot to talk about because I was just in Spartanburg, South Carolina for BMW's Test Fest and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, all the test drives I had to do or got to do rather. Um, it was very, very exciting. Tested a lot of cars. Uh, and then I actually popped off and did a little test with Rolls Royce. So that is very extra special. So I'd like to talk to you about that. And that's going to be at the end of the show because I think it's the most special, uh, event that I took part in over the past, uh, maybe three days or so. So, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So you're in for a little bit of a treat. First, I want to talk about just kind of what TestFest is and how it works. So, typically on car events, um, when you go to test drive a car, car company X flies you out to location Y, and they have, you know, just whatever their newest car is, and you test drive it on, you know, whatever, if it's a track or like whatever roads they want, you know, you to test drive it in. And it's pretty specific, you know, you test the car on the, you know, predetermined route that they give you uh, or a racetrack and you get a certain amount of time and that's really it. Well, BMW has been doing something a little bit different for the past couple of years. <clears throat> Instead of doing that, BMW has been kind of gathering all of its newest cars together in one location and just kind of letting journalists run wild. And that's what its test fests are. We have had quite a few over the past couple of years, and this is the first one we've done in Spartanburg. Typically, they're done at the Performance Center uh, West, out in Palm Springs, California, but this time it was done at Performance Center East and at the Spartanburg uh, plant, you know, BMW's largest manufacturing plant, um, in South Carolina. So this time, uh, as usual, there were tons of cars uh, for road driving, so it's like a, basically just a giant parking lot with a bunch of cars, and the key is in every car, and journalists can just take whatever is there and drive it on either a predetermined route or kind of just wherever they really want to go, so long as they're back in a reasonable amount of time, because, uh, you know, there are only so many of each kind of car, so they want to allow all journalists to kind of get the chance to drive it, so you can't be gone for like two hours with a car, but you can be gone for about an hour, actually, typically the predetermined routes are about an hour, um, so if there's a car in the parking lot, you're allowed to take it. And it was filled with a ton of different cars, from the new uh, 8 Series Grand Coupe to the X6 M50i um, to, you know, 8 Series Coupes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, even the new Minis were there, the Clubman and the Countryman uh, JZWs. Then there was a track portion, um, and they had a few cars set up for the track, uh, among them the BMW M8, um, the X6 M50i again, uh, and some other stuff. But today, I'm going to talk about four cars that I test drove because they were, in my opinion, the most important cars uh, to drive there. And that those are the BMW M8 Competition Coupe, the BMW M850i Grand Coupe, the Alpina B7, and the BMW M235i Grand Coupe. Those are the four cars I tested for BMW. And uh, I think those were the most significant. And because I only had one day to do it, 
Um, you know, I kind of had to pick and choose my battles there. I had to kind of pick what I wanted to really review. And so I had to skip over cars like the X6 and the Mini, both Minis rather, um, because I felt that these four were the most important and they were the ones that I had the time to do. So I kind of just prioritized and those were the four I drove. So the first car I actually got in for the day was the Alpina B7. And I was very fortunate. <laughs> we walked out of the um, out of the performance little performance center after they gave us the talk about what we were going to do, what we we're going to be driving. And my driving partner, uh, one of the, I guess he knows people at BMW very very well. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have. And um, they just said, "Here you go. The Alpina B7s waiting for you because there's only one. You know there are probably six MH50i coupes to drive." There, you know, all in different specs and, and whatnot, but there's only one Alpina B7, so it's kind of a hot commodity and it's tough to get into. But as soon as we walk out of the door, first thing in the morning, we were the first ones out. Here's your Alpina B7, so we had the chance to drive that, and that was really cool that we got in that early. Uh, but it, it was really cool, really nice, twisty country roads, uh, some beautiful scenery, and we were able to really test the Alpina B7 quite a bit um, because the roads around Spartanburg's plant are. You know, they're not the best. They're a little, like the road surface, I mean, isn't the best. There's a, there's quite a lot of potholes, and the road can be rough. And even over those, you know, rough roads, over that rough terrain, well, terrain, rough pavement, rather, uh, the B7 was really comfortable. I mean, it was really supple, but it always stays remarkably planted. And I, I've driven the pre-facelift B7, because this is the new facelifted Alpina B7. Uh, you know, the one with the gigantic new grille. And I drove the pre-facelift car, and that was great. I loved that thing. I really, really loved it. Um, so I was really excited to get into this one to see if there were any changes. And, I mean, without having driven the previous one for at least a year, I don't really remember exactly how long it was ago that I drove it, but uh, it's been at least a year. So having not driven it recently, I can't say that there's a lot of differences in feel, but I can say that it is sensational to drive i mean it is a rocket ship it's so fast and you know the specs by now you know 4.4 liter twin turbo v8 600 horsepower 590 pound feet of torque um it isn't an m engine it's not you know the same engine that you'll find in the m5 even though it has similar specs um it is a different v8 it is based off of the same v8 in like the 750i so what Alpina does is they take it and you know they completely modify it. So it has new intake manifold, new exhaust manifold, bigger turbochargers, different pistons. I mean, it's it's entirely revised. And that's how they squeeze that much power out of it. And in my opinion, I've always felt that Alpina actually did a better job doing that than even the M division because there's like a silky, buttery smoothness to it, the way it operates. But the power delivery is insane. It just comes on like a sledgehammer and rockets that car off it is a crazy crazy engine i love it so much and for being such a big heavy car <clears throat> and for being such a big heavy car it is remarkably agile i mean you can snake it down twisty roads that are pretty narrow i mean the roads around spartanburg were pretty narrow and we were able to just thread it through these roads and it's such a sharp car relatively rather it's such a sharp car for such a big heavy car you know and it's so impressive what alpine has been able to do while keeping the suspension supple and comfortable you know it's it's a really impressive magic trick they've been able to pull off with that car 
Um, my only, I don't want to say disappointment because it's really not that uh, surprising, but it, it's not as special on the inside as I'd hoped. And I think that really just comes down to what Alpine is working with. The new 7 Series interior, while very nice, you know, no one's going to complain about being in it. Um, I just don't think it's on the same level as certain cars in its class. Like the, uh, for instance, the Mercedes AMG S63. I think that that car is nicer on the inside. It feels more special. Um, don't get me wrong. Alpina does a great job. The, the wood trim is gorgeous and much nicer than you'll get on a regular 7 Series. And you get the blue and green stitching and you get all that stuff, which is really nice. But I just, I kind of think that what it had to start with isn't, special enough for that segment so it really can't be that special um it's still lovely don't get me wrong i'm not trying to knock it it's still really lovely i just when you see other cars in the segment like the s63 or even the audi s8 the new one we haven't been in it yet but be, you know we've seen what it looks like and the design is fresher and the design is more modern and you know cars like that just seem to have a little bit of a special edge over any 7 Series model, no matter how, you know, nice it is. Having said that, I do love the B7. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful car. And it's a great way to spend, you know, north of six figures on a luxury car because it feels, you know, it feels different from the 7 Series. It might not look that much different from the 7 Series, especially on the inside, but it feels it on the road. Um, I actually just recently got out of a 750i as a test car, and I, you know, I think the B7 is significantly better to drive. I really do. And it's a great car. Following that, um, I actually drove, I jumped right out of that and into the M850i Grand Coupe. And that I was very excited to drive because I think it is gorgeous. It is just such a beautiful car. I loved it on paper. And this was honestly my first time seeing it in the flesh. And I think it looks even better in person. It is such a pretty car. It has such a beautiful silhouette. And the, the C-pillar, the way it goes down to the trunk and creates a little spoiler, it's just gorgeous. The car we drove was white. Um, I believe it's Alpine white, like every other BMW. It had carbon fiber accents, like mirror caps and some little you know, carbon fiber bits in the front end and stuff like that. And it looked really sharp. It looked really cool. It was very, it was like, it was aggressive, but still quite beautiful. And I think white really serves that car well. I think it's, it's a great looking car in white. Because there were black models there, black with red interior, and that looked cool, but I think the white looked better. Um, the white with the carbon fiber bits on the outside looked really good. So you jump inside, and from the front seat, it's not too much different from a regular 8 Series Coupe. Um, but that's okay, because I think it's a great interior. You know, It might not be the flashiest or most exciting to look at, but the materials are excellent, and the ergonomics are great, and the seat is great, and the seating position is great. You know, I, th I just think it's a really nice interior. Um, but the benefit of the Grand Coupe is the back seat. You know, humans can't fit in the back seat of the coupe. Uh, you know, I, I've tried it. it you know, the, it's like the seat wants to cut your legs off, and I'm short. You know, it's, it's not a comfortable place to be. However, in the Grand Coupe, there's tons of leg room. You know, I was able to sit behind myself, and admittedly, I'm only five foot nine, so I don't, you know, put the driver's seat very far back. Having said that, I was still able to sit behind myself with, you know, several inches of knee room before my knees touched the back seat and I was very comfortable. My only complaint, I don't know if this is an option or not or if this might be coming on future models, but the back seat didn't recline at all or do kind of do anything really. You know, and at that price point, the one we tested was I want to say $121,000 or something like that. It was north of six figures. Um 
and the back seat didn't really do anything special or look that special. You know, it had a ton of room and the seats looked nice themselves, but like they, aside from that, there was really nothing special about the back seat. You know, something like you'd get in maybe an Aston Martin Rapide, admittedly, which is much more expensive, but still, I think for north of six figures, the back seat could be a little more special. Um, but still, it, <clears throat> but still, it's it's more than comfortable enough for adults, and you could fit kids back there, and it just adds practicality to you know an otherwise very sporty, very fun car to drive, while also making it look so much better. So I think that was very cool. Now, to drive, it's barely different than the standard coupe. Um, there's been some talk that I've heard that it's a little bit better to drive because it has a longer wheelbase and a slightly wider wheel track in the back. And in theory, that should do that. It should make the car drive a little bit better. It should be a little bit more stable. You know, at high speed, bumps should upset the chassis less because of the longer wheelbase. Um, and it should just be a little bit more enjoyable to drive. Um, and the same thing was said about the 6 Series Grand Coupe as well. That was always said the M6 Grand Coupe was supposed to be the best driving BMW when it was, you know, still on sale. However, driving the M850i Coupe, or Grand Coupe rather, um, it didn't feel any significant, like, it didn't feel significantly different from the Coupe. It was pretty much the same. But that's that's fine, because it's a great driving experience. You know, it's very comfortable, and it's very fast, and it turns in well, and it's sharp to drive. You know, it's not an M8, but it is fun to drive. And it's still brutally fast. It sounds great, even if a lot of that what you're hearing is artificial. It still sounds cool. Um, and it's just a lovely car to drive. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And I enjoyed it more than the coupe because of the fact that I knew that there was a big back seat that I could fit people in. And I knew that it looked better. And every time we got out of it to take pictures of it, you know, and we brought it to um, a nice hotel and we, we took some pictures outside the hotel and it looked really cool um but just looking at it it was just so beautiful and it's just so cool and i think it's the best looking bmw right now and i really think it's one of the best bmws on sale the only knock against it is its price it's very expensive you know i think 120 grand is a lot for a, a car that isn't even a proper m so it's it's very expensive but aside from that i really 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 enjoyed it now, after the uh, M850i Grand Coupe, um, we took a lunch break and we went inside had some lunch and, you know, just kind of schmoozed around a little bit with some of the BMW people and kind of just planned my attack for after lunch. You know, what I was going to drive, how I was going to drive it, what I was going to do. And I needed to prioritize what I was going to drive because, you know, certain cars, there was the availability was low and you had to kind of, you know, work your way through all of that. So the first thing I did after lunch was jump in the BMW M8 Competition Coupe. Let's scratch that. <clears throat> Mainly, though, the problem was we had to take a factory tour. So BMW wanted us to tour... Um, I mean, we didn't have to, but it was kind of like they were showing off the plant, and we were supposed to take a tour of it, and the main thing was they were showing off battery assembly, for cars like the um, BMW iX3 and things like that. And I felt that that was important to take a look at because BMW has been slammed a lot in the media for not doing enough with electric cars and battery tech and all that sort of thing. So I felt it was important to go actually take a look at what they were doing and see the battery assembly um, for myself and see how they did it and what they were doing. And I thought that was 
a good thing to do and worth, you know, spending some time away from actually driving the cars. So that was only supposed to be an hour. It ended up... <sighs> so that was only supposed to be an hour. It ended up taking a lot longer than an hour. Maybe two and a half hours. So by the time we got back from that, the day was almost over. And I had to kind of scramble to get in, um, you know, the cars I needed to get in. So I headed straight for the track and I got in the M8 Competition Coupe. That was the, my main concern. The whole day, I thought, I need the M8 Competition Coupe. I wanted to get the road drives out earlier because they took longer and, you know, they're harder to get, you know, the certain cars I wanted because some journalists take them out and they take too long and they don't come back. So I was like, let me get those out first, but then M8 Competition Coupe has to be my main priority because it's the most important car here right now. And, you know, by the time I got back from this battery tour, it was like, oh, crap, I need to get in it. So I got in it and I took a few hot laps. And it was funny because as soon as I get in, and we were doing lead follow, so like you get in, um, a couple other journalists get in cars, uh, and then there's an instructor in the front, and everyone just kind of follows the instructor. And you get in a line, you kind of just follow. So you're not really like really blitzing around track. Um, it's kind of like, you know, they're holding your hand basically, and they only go as fast as you're comfortable with. So um, I get in the car, and the instructor that's taking us out, or my group out for this, was Matt Mullins. Now, Matt Mullins, if you don't know who he is, he is BMW's like main BM, main driver for the BMW Performance Center, and uh, he kind of teaches everyone how to drive, and he's an excellent driver. And he's actually, if you remember when BMW set the record for the longest drift time, or, you know, all that whole thing with the new M5, he was actually the guy in the F10 generation M5, the fuel car. He was the guy who would jump out onto the track and refuel the drifting M5. So, he's been a driver for BMW for a really long time and he comes up to the window and he's my my lead follow instructor and he goes by the way I just want to tell you uh if you f because it's in even if, though it's in four-wheel drive sport because it's in MDM mode it will let you spin a lot he's like so don't think that it won't let you kill yourself because it will and he just totally got in my head and I was like oh crap I need to take it easy in this thing and it's very 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 fast I mean it's explosively fast you come out of a corner, you hit the gas, and it just explodes forward. It is crazy. And, I mean, you've probably heard the specs by now. 4.4 liter twin turbo V8, 600 horsepower. Actually, it's competition coupe, so 617 horsepower. 590 pound-feet of torque, 0 to 60 in the low 3-second range. It's a rocket ship. And because of its insane grip, I mean, it is crazy grippy. You come out of a corner and it just digs its claws in and fires you out. And it's very sketchy at first because you think, well, not that it, the car is sketchy, but I guess he got in my head and I'm thinking, oh, this thing's going to snap on me. It's going to spin and I'm going to die. So I'm, I'm trying to take it easy while trying to learn the track because I hadn't been on that track yet, nor have I ever been to the, that track before ever. So this is my first time on the track in my life. First time driving a 600 horsepower M8. And I'm kind of scared that it's going to kill me. So I'm not really paying attention to the car and reviewing the car. I'm really just trying to hang on for my life and keep up with the guys in front of me while learning the track and not crashing the car. Um, but after a few laps, I settled in. I got comfortable with the track. and I started to pick up some speed, pick up the pace, and really start to push the car harder. And what I learned is that it might be my favorite BMW to drive right now. It's, in a, it's, it's close. It's between that and the Z4 M40i because I really love that thing. But the M8 Competition Coupe is just so brutal. It's just so violent that 
there's this real attraction to it. It looks menacing. It looks fantastic. And then you just step on the throttle. And it, like I said, it just explodes. It's so violent and so brutal that it has this real aggressive personality to it. And I just really, really enjoyed it a lot. It also has tenacious grip. Like Mullins scared the crap out of me by telling me that it could snap and kill me. But I really don't think I could have pushed it hard enough to have it do that. Because there's no way that it would run out of grip or capability before I ran out of courage. Uh, you know, there's no way. It's so much more capable than I am. Um, and I think it's so much more capable than the average driver. You'd have to be a real idiot and just be a real dumb hooligan to get yourself in trouble because it has so much grip, especially in that four-wheel drive sport mode. You know, it allows you to play a little bit, but, you know, you have to really be doing something dumb to hurt yourself. Um so I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Once I once I got the hang of it and the track, it really became a lot of fun. And then once I realized that maybe Mullins was being a... I don't want to say he's being hyperbolic, but I think he thought that maybe I was braver than I am because there's no way I'm pushing that car hard enough for it to you know run out of its own capability. <clears throat> but after I got out of the M8, I... Um, <clears throat> sorry again. But after I got out of the M8, I decided to jump into a much, much, much different car. That would be the M235i Grand Coupe. Now, BMW had that set up a little bit differently than the other cars because it was a pre-production car. I don't know why BMW keeps doing this. So like last year at the last test fest, we had the M340i on track and that was only a pre-production car. I'm not really sure why because like they have production ones, I think. I'm not really sure. But the M235i was a pre-pro, you know, it was wrapped in camouflage and all that. So they had a two-series Grand Coupe product manager there, and they had to be present uh, while we drove. They actually had a couple of them there, and they, they one of them had to be present while we drove, so we had to kind of like request a time to get in and, and drive that on the road. So that's what I did. I got a slot, I got a, uh, a product manager to ride shotgun with me, and, you know, I took that for a little bit of a ride. Now... Um, I have a video review coming of this car as well as every other car and written reviews of every other car I've driven. So if you want to stay tuned for that, um, you know, check out bmwblog.com and our YouTube channel and we will have re reviews for all of these cars there. But uh, all right, so back to the M235i Grand Coupe. So I was very, I don't want to say apprehensive, but I, I really came and went into it kind of pessimistic. Um, you know, it is a front wheel drive BMW. It's my... Yes, the Grand Coupe is all-wheel drive, it's X-Drive all-wheel drive, but it's a Haldex all-wheel drive system, and I want to make this very clear, because I feel like there have been some enthusiasts who keep commenting saying, well, it's not front-wheel drive, it's all-wheel drive. Yes, it's all-wheel drive, but it uses a Haldex system, and a Haldex all-wheel drive system is basically front-wheel drive, and then when it thinks you need more grip, it's going to send some power to the rear axle, but the limitations of Haldex prevent it from sending any more than 50% of the available torque to the rear wheels under any normal, realistic circumstance. Now, there are some people who will say that it can send up to 100% of the available torque to the rear wheels under very limited circumstances, and that's kind of true. But the limited circumstances are so limited that it will almost never happen in the real world. Um, speaking to one of the product managers for the 2 Series, and he's a former engineer, um, we discussed this, and basically for it to send any more than 50% of the available torque to the rear wheels, the front wheels have to basically be on ice and getting zero traction 
while spinning, and then it will send more than 50% to the rear wheels. But that is it. That is like the only circumstance where it can do that. So it is essentially a front-wheel drive BMW with some slightly all-wheel drive capability. So I was a bit apprehensive about it. I didn't think it was going to be that great to drive. I was kind of like, eh, is it going to just be kind of okay? You know, I heard some middling things about the 1 Series, the new one that's you know built... They're basically the same thing. The one and the two Grand Coupe are basically the same thing underneath the skin. So I was kind of like, eh, how's it going to be? Turns out I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it's pretty fun to drive, actually. It is pretty damn quick. You know, it has a 2-liter turbocharged 4, 301 horsepower, 332 pound-feet of torque. Um, it has an 8-speed gearbox. It's an ISIN unit. ISIN, I'm not entirely sure how to say that because I heard both while I was at BMW. So I think it's ISIN, but it's, it's a, that, that gearbox is not the same ZF sourced eight speed you'll find in any other BMW. Um, but it's still very good. I think the shifts were sharp. They were crisp. They were on time. You know, you click a paddle and you get your shift really no delay. Um, and in an automatic mode, it's smart. It picks its gears, right? You know, it's willing to downshift when you step on the pedal, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good, good gearbox. I don't think it's a, a downgrade from the ZF much at all if if it's a downgrade it's only a little bit and not really noticeable by normal humans um i also like the engine i thought the engine was punchy a little bit of lag down low but that's okay um you know it, it's a willing engine it, it pulls pretty hard it revs pretty cleanly it's a good engine it's not a you know b58 straight six but it is a good engine it makes a pretty good noise too though much of that is artificial, it still sounds pretty damn decent, and most normal customers won't care. It also ha handles pretty well on the road. You know, it absorbs bumps pretty well, which is kind of a problem for short wheelbase sporty cars. They kind of get choppy, you know, over rough pavement, and the M235i Grand Coupe stays pretty poised, I think. I think it's a pretty, you know, balanced car. You know, it, it's, like, its ride is quite balanced. It's firm, but it's not too firm. You know, it handles harsh impacts well. You feel everything because it still is a sporty car, but, um, you know, it's not so firm that it's uncomfortable. I think it's just firm enough. I think BMW really nailed that ride handling balance. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty surprising little car. The steering isn't great, but, you know, it, it's weighted nicely. It steers pretty sharply. It's I think it's a surprisingly fun little car to drive. And that was my road portion of it. And then... When I pulled it back in, because it was a pretty short little route, so I didn't get too much time on the road. When I pulled it back in, it turns out that another one was on track. Now, they hadn't had it on track before, but some of the journalists were asking, can we put it on the track? And then BMW was thinking about it, and then they ended up doing it. They put it on the track. It was pretty cool they did that, and I got to test it out on track. Now, the funny part about that is, so I went out on the track in the M235i, and in front of me was an X6 M50i, and in front of that guy was a um, the instructor in an M5 competition. Behind me was an M340i. So we are in our, here we are in our little line, and we get out onto the track, and the moment we hit the first straight, the X6 disappears. My foot's to the floor, and he's gone. So while it's punchy on the road, it is slow uh, on a track. And that's fine, because it's not a track car. Literally 0% of M235i owners will take their car on a track. But... Um, it was just funny to watch the big twin-turbo V8 X6 just disappear from me. I just could not catch him. But 
having said that, I did catch up to him in corners because it is a surprisingly fun little car to drive on track. It is not a rear drive, tail happy, you know, playful little hooligan. It's not. That's not what it's going to be. So anyone expecting that is going to be disappointed. But if you go in with an open mind, learn what it's like to drive, kind of get a feel for it, and then do what it likes, you know, drive it the way it's supposed to be driven, it actually can be kind of fun. Um, one of the interesting things about it is it actually comes with a Torsen front differential. So it actually doesn't understeer much at all. There's a little bit, you know, you, you turn into a corner sharp and it will understeer a little, but then you kind of just wait for it to, to grip, get back on the throttle hard, and, it, you know, it, it does its thing, it grips, and it powers you out of corners, and it's a car that you can kind of grab by the scruff of the neck and just kind of wrestle around through corners, and once you start doing that, it actually gets pretty fun. You know, once I got the hang of it, I was actually having a lot of fun, and it surprised me, but it was a pleasant surprise. You know, I, I had a smile on my face while I was driving this thing. It actually made me laugh a couple of times because it was surprisingly fun, and what I like about it is it wasn't scary. You know, because it's front drive and all front drive base, but all-wheel drive, and it has the Torsen front diff, and you, you know, you get that Haldex system working, it's, it's a very safe car to drive quickly, and that kind of takes some of the worry away. You can push it hard on track, you know, and you know it's not going to snap and kill you. You know, it's a pretty safe car to drive quickly, and that makes it fun. So I really actually came away with a positive impression of the M235i, and it's a car that I really want to spend some more time in. You know, I want to get it here at my house. You know, I want to drive it for a week and test it out and learn all its little nuances and things like that, and I want to kind of just play with it and see how I like it over time, but my first impression was positive. And I didn't think it was going to be, so I'm happy about that. You know, that made me happy. That was probably the happiest point in my day, oddly enough, because I stepped out of that thinking, wow, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. You know, I kind of expected the M8 to be a brutal monster. I expected to really love the M850i Grand Coupe, and I I knew I was going to love the Alpina B7, but I didn't know what I was getting into when I got into the M235i, and I was pleasantly surprised. And I think that a lot of customers, if they go in with an open mind, no, even BMW enthusiasts, if they go in with an open mind and they kind of just say, okay, this is a new kind of BMW, you know, we're branching out to new territory now, it's a new kind of thing, new kind of BMW, I think they'll be surprised too, and I think they'll like it more than they thought they would, and I think that's a big step for BMW because this is an important car, it's going to compete with really big selling cars like the Audi A3 and the Mercedes A-Class. Um, I was in the park, uh, Garden State Parkway yesterday, New Jersey, and I saw two Mercedes A-Classes, the brand, brand new ones. They're, I didn't even know they were on sale yet in, in the U.S. Um, and I saw two within like a half hour span. So, you know, the, those cars sell very, very well. And, you know, this is a car that BMW needs to sell well, and I think it's going to. I think if customers give it a chance, they'll like it. I still think it's ugly. <laughs> I still think it's ugly. But... It drives much better than I expected. So that was a very pleasant surprise. But okay, after that, the important part, at least for me, I thought this was the most exciting part of the trip. And that was the Rolls-Royce Cullinan Black Badge. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the interwebs these past couple of days, but Rolls-Royce just unveiled the Cullinan Black Badge. It is the first Black Badge edition of the Cullinan, um, and Rolls-Royce showed it off in typical Rolls-Royce style. So they brought us outside at night, and they had a big, like, just like big 
stand set up with big black curtains and strobing lights and you know smoke machines and music playing and then you know a wraith black badge pulls up on one side and another cullen and pulls up on the other and the curtains open and you just see the headlights pop up in the dark and it rolls out real dramatic and it was really it was awesome but it was ridiculous in the totally awesome rolls royce way so the cullen and black badge rolls out and we got to poke around and look at it and it was the first time anyone had ever seen it outside of Rolls-Royce. So we were very excited about that. Um, and we were able to look at all of its cool new features. Um, like the the Spirit of Ecstasy is now black on the black badge. But it's not painted or finished in black. It is actually chemically darkened. They made a point to say that. That they're not just painting the Spirit of Ecstasy because that would be crude. Um, they actually give it a, like a chemical bath. And that chemical bath kind of... Uh, darkens the metal and makes it permanently dark so you know it's not going to fade it's not going to chip um, the actual metal has been darkened itself so that's pretty cool because they figure if they finish it in something it can possibly fade over time which is not a very rolls royce like thing you know that's not very premium or you know it, I mean, it sticks out on the damn hood of the car so it's easy rock chips could possibly chip it so rolls royce wanted it to stay that color forever so that's why they did that, and I think that's pretty cool. Another interesting thing about the Cullinan Black Badge is it's the first Cullinan to offer the Starlight Headliner. It's a fan favorite among uh, Rolls-Royce customers, and it's the, the famous Starlight Headliner where the whole headliner is like perforated leather, and inside of it are, I think it's like 1,500 pinhole size LEDs, and they create a starry night. And you can pick your sky. You know, you could if, say you got married in Rome in 1982. You can say, well, I want the sky above where I got married in 1982 done up in my Rolls-Royce Cullinan or, you know, Wraith or Phantom. And they'll do that. They can do that for you. And it's remarkable. If you don't pick a sky, the sky you get is um, the sky over Goodwood. I think the year Rolls-Royce was founded, which I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But um, that's the, the default sky you get. Uh, but you can pick whatever you'd like and literally any time you'd like any time period whatever I think that's pretty awesome but there's even a new feature to the starlight headliner on the Cullen and Black badge and that is the shooting star feature where it creates shooting star effects with the LEDs now when I heard that I was like that's ridiculous like do you really need shooting stars above your head while you're driving around that's the silliest rich person thing I ever heard and then I saw it as did several other journalists, and we all looked at it, and we went, okay, I get it. That's amazing. And we were all totally sold. I love it. I want more of it. I want it in every single car on Earth. I need it in every car I have. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's just, and it's the simplest thing. They just make little LEDs go, and just shoot across, like these tiny, subtle little shooting stars. And they happen at random, and it's just so damn cool. And ridiculous and amazing and awesome and stupid and fantastic. I just absolutely love it. Um, and the car that that was on, because they had two Cullinan black badges there. One was white with red uh, leather and the other one was black with a two-tone black and like canary yellow interior, which was pretty wild. Um, the black one with the yellow interior had the shooting star headliner. The other one didn't. But um, they were both were really, really cool cars. 
Now, the best part about all of this is that we got to drive them. So I was part of a small selection of journalists that Rolls-Royce picked. I was very fortunate. I'm very grateful to be part of this. But Rolls-Royce only took a handful of the journalists from the main BMW event to bring to their Cullinan drive. So we started at BMW Spartanburg plant in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and we drove all the way up to Asheville, North Carolina, and the Cullinans. Well, actually, we had a couple of Rolls. So there was the Wraith black badge we had. We had the two Cullinan black badges, and then there were two standard Cullinan um, support vehicles. Which, by the way, side note, Rolls-Royce people internally kind of nicknamed regular Rolls-Royces Silver Badge. So that's not their official name. It's not like the regular ones are called you know, Silver Badge, but that's what they call them because they have silver badges, and it's just an easier way to distinguish them when you're talking about them. So fun fact, call them Silver Badges. It's kind of cool. Anyway, um, so they had the two regular Cullen and support cars, and we drove all of them up to Asheville, and we just kind of do driver swaps and car swaps and rotate in so every journalist could get a chance to drive the Cullen and Black Badge. Now, on the way up, we went through the Blue Ridge Mountains, and we're able to drive on the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is actually one of the best driving roads in America, and one that I've always wanted to drive on, and I hadn't, I've never gotten a chance to, so I was really excited about that. So I started my day in the Wraith Black Badge, and I got to drive up some really twisty, really tight, windy roads in a gigantic Wraith Black Badge. And I had actually, that's the only rolls I'd ever driven prior to that day, so it's something that I was semi-familiar with. And I actually really came to enjoy driving it quickly, like hustling it through back roads. I mean, it's a big, big, heavy car, and by no means a sports car. But I kind of learned how it you know how it liked to be driven and how to drive it best through twisty roads and once i got the hang of it once i got the feel of it it was just lovely it really was and there's this weird way to drive it so you kind of sit i like to sit as low as i possibly can in a car while still seeing over the scuttle that's how i like to sit in a car but i kind of had myself a little bit higher than that because the nose is so long that i needed to see where it was so i kind of sat a little bit higher and the steering wheel, you know, right in, you know, right at the proper arm length, you know, elbow bent a little bit and, uh, you know, chest level. But it's a wide diameter steering wheel. It's very wide, but the, the, um, the rim is quite thin. So you kind of drive it with like this fingertip feel at each, you know, at the nine and three points. And it just kind of has this lovely waftiness to it. And you kind of just chuck it in slow. Wait till the front end to bite. Once it bites, get back on the power and it just use that V12 torque to just fire you out of corners. And it's kind of fun. Once you get used to it, it's really a fun car to hustle in its own weird little way. Um, it's not a sports car. It's a big, giant GT car. But it's kind of fun. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And I kind of got into this really nice rhythm. And I had people in the car. And I don't know if you've ever driven a Rolls Royce before, but they are not flat cornering cars. You know, they kind of tip and pitch and heave and they throw their heft around. So being in the back seat can make one nauseous. But, um, you know, I asked the person in the back seat and she said, no, I'm good. Keep going. So, you know, it was fine. You know, we were able to hustle it around and no one got nauseous. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So after we drove that, we got to stop and look at some gorgeous scenery. And then we jumped in the Cullinan Black Badge. And I rode shotgun in that for a while, which was lovely because it's a Rolls Royce, so I got to enjoy all the, you know, beautiful interior of it. And one of the things, just the little things you notice in a Rolls, I looked at the cigarette lighter, and 
the stalk of the cigarette lighter, like where you grab it, is this milled piece of aluminum, just like the organ stop pieces that you see throughout the rest of the car. And it's a cigarette lighter, possibly the crudest piece of automotive technology that still exists. And it was beautiful. It was like this beautiful piece of jewelry. And I was like, that's a Rolls Royce. Like that, everything, even something so crude as a cigarette lighter was beautiful. And I love that. It was just lovely to be in and sit in and just enjoy. Um, especially going through the gorgeous uh, scenery that we were going through. I mean, the, the, the beautiful trees and all the, the beautiful colors, the leaves changing color. It was just stunning to see twisty roads, beautiful scenic views, you know, real high up in the mountains. It was gorgeous. And our Rolls Royces. What a, what a day. What an experience. But then I had the chance to drive um, the Cullinan Black Badge, which I was excited about because we were the first people outside of Rolls Royce to drive it. In fact, those two cars we had there were the only two working Cullen and Black Badges on the road in the world. And I think that's awesome that we got to drive that. I felt, we felt, all of us felt very special. It was very cool. So I got to drive that, and it's a very different experience. Now, I had driven the regular Cullinan before, actually. So I want to amend what I said before that the Wraith was the only one I'd driven before. I had driven the regular Cullinan before, but only very, very briefly. So I was kind of readjusting myself to it. And it's a very, very big heavy car um you know it weighs as much as like a tahoe plus a volkswagen beetle it is crazy how heavy it is um but it doesn't feel it it hides its heft very well if you drive it the way it's meant to be driven if you try to hustle it if you try to drive it like an x6m you're gonna not only be disappointed but you might throw up because it pitches and it heaves and it bobs and it weaves and it's just all over the place if you hustle it but if you drive it the way it should be driven, which I learned after driving it for a little bit, especially on some pretty twisty roads, you know, it's actually kind of lovely. It's it's weird. It has this weird wafty experience. Um, it's like a yacht. You know, you kind of tip the front end in. You almost like literally tip it in. Once it bites, you know, the whole car kind of pitches over and like all that weight settles on the outside wheels. And then once everything's set, once the weight transfers and it all sets, you get back on the power and again let that v12 pull you out of it and it's just kind of fun once you get into this slow smooth rhythm and it's like a big dancing elephant it's kind of silly and ridiculous but it's fun to drive actually in the, its own weird silly way and that was another interesting one because i had two passengers in the back seat at that point and neither of them felt that i was driving too quickly and i was driving pretty damn quickly um None of them felt I was driving too quickly. None of, neither of them felt that, um, you know, it was pitching too much or they weren't getting kind of motion sickness or anything. And that's surprising to me. You know, it's a big car. And it pitches. Every time you tip, you, you, you throw it into a corner, it's going to tip a little bit. It's going to roll. And you're going to feel that mass. But uh, the only way I can describe it is it's like, it's like driving a bank vault wrapped in a cloud. It's just, it's so solid. But it's also so soft. It's the weirdest experience. I just, I know it's ridiculous to say if you ever get a chance to drive a Cullinan, you should drive one because like no one's gonna get the chance to drive one because our car's as tested price was four hundred and forty thousand dollars, which is insanity. Um, like that's crazy. That's like double the cost of a house near me. That's insane. So, uh, it was just a really, really wild experience. It was really awesome to, to drive those cars and to experience them um, as, you know, the, some of the first people to do so. 
So we felt really, really special. I want to thank Rolls-Royce for having me out. Um, and Rolls-Royce has always been very generous to us and always been very kind to us and inviting us to, and as, as has BMW. So I just, you know, I want to thank both BMW and Rolls-Royce because we had a great time out there and it was a lot of fun. And we got to drive some really cool cars. And so I really want to thank them for that because that was an awesome, awesome experience. And I really came away more impressed with some of these cars than I thought I would be, like the two series and the Rolls. I knew I'd like the, you know, the M8 and the Grand Coupe and the, uh, the B7, but the little two series and both Rolls Royces really, really impressed me more than I thought. You know, I think it's, maybe that sounds crazy saying a Rolls Royce impressed me more than I thought it would, but, you know, I thought they would just be big, wafty luxury cars, especially the Cullinan, um, but it was more fun than I thought it would be, and I, I think that was actually the highlight of my trip, was driving the two Rolls up the, uh, up the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. I think that was really, really amazing. <clears throat> so yeah, that's uh, that's it for episode five. Um, I've probably wasted enough of your time, your precious, precious time. But I want to say that uh, I'd like you guys to start asking some questions. You know, you can shoot anything over to me. I've said it every episode. Nico at nico at bmwblog.com. Shoot me some questions or even just some topics you'd like me to talk about or anything like that, just shoot them over to me and I will make sure I get them in the next episode. So please do that. Um, Next week, we're going to have Horacio back on. He was our first guest. He is the editor-in-chief of BMW Blog, so it's very, very nice to have him on and talk to us and kind of lay down the law of what's, what's going on with BMW because literally no one in the media knows what's going on with BMW more than he does. So I'm telling you right now, when he says something, it's fact. It's concrete. If he says something's coming, it's coming. So when he's on the show, it's great because we learn a lot. We know we learn a lot about what's coming and maybe kind of squash some rumors that, you know, don't have any facts to them. So yeah, next week, stay tuned for Horatio. And we got some interesting stuff coming because the following week we're going to be at the LA Auto Show. And we're going to be we're going to be recording live from the LA Auto Show, and that's going to be really fun. So thank you for listening to Episode 5, and stay tuned for next week.